and obtain forgiveness by his infinite grace and mercy. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed the devices and desires of our hearts. We have offended against your holy law. We have done those things that we should not have done, and we have not done those things which we should have done. Have mercy on us, O Lord. Spare us and restore us according to the promises you have declared to us in Jesus Christ our Lord. For his sake, grant that we may live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of your holy name. The Almighty and merciful Lord has granted us pardon and forgiveness of all our sins, grace for true repentance and amendment of life, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand for the versicles.
We continue our Passion History this evening with the reading of Matthew 27, one, uh, excuse me, 11 through 44. Now Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said to him, It is as you say. And while he was being accused by the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then Pilate said to him, Do you not hear how many things they testify against you? But he answered him not one word, so that the governor marveled greatly. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And at that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore, when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, Whom do you want me to release to you, Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ? For he knew that, that they had handed him over because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man. For I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitudes that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, What then shall I do with Jesus who is called Christ? They all said to him, Let him be crucified. Then the governor said, Why? What evil has he done? But they cried out all the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was, was rising, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the praetorium, excuse me, into the praetorium, and gathered the whole garrison around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed down, bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. Then they spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they took the robe off him, put his own clothes on him, and led him away to be crucified. Now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. Him they compelled to bear his cross. And when they had come to a place called Golgotha, that it is to say the place, a place of a skull, they gave him sour wine mingled with gall to drink. But when he tasted it, he would not drink. Then they crucified him and divided his garments, casting lots, 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. Sitting down, they kept watch over him there. And they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and another on the left. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, you who, destroyed, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also, mocking with the scribes and the elders, said, <clears throat> excuse me, he saved others, himself he cannot save. If he is the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if he will have him. <clears throat> For he said, I am the son of God. Even the robbers who were crucified with him reviled him with the same thing. So far our passion lesson.
Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. The text for our meditation is a portion of our Passion reading. I'm going to read in a slightly different translation, the EHV. But Matthew 27, 15 to 26, we read these words again. At the time of the festival, the governor had a custom to release to the crowd any one prisoner they wanted. At that time, they were holding a notorious prisoner named Barabbas. So when they were assembled, Pilate said to them, Which one do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For Pilate knew that they had handed Jesus over to him because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, Pilate's wife sent him a message. Have nothing to do with that righteous man, she said, since I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and to have Jesus put to death. The governor asked them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? Barabbas, they said. Pilate said to them, Then what should I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Crucify him. But the governor said, Why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting even louder, Crucify him! Crucify him! When Pilate saw that he was accomplishing nothing and that instead it was turning into a riot, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this righteous man's blood. It is your responsibility. And all the people answered, Let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Sanctify us through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. In him who loved us and freed us from our sins through his own blood, Jesus the Christ, dear fellow redeemed. Franklin D. Roosevelt is probably most famous for his New Deal which he believed would help the United States come out of the Great Depression. He's also known for a couple other things, Social Security for one. But there are at least two things that he has accomplished that no other president has been able to. The first is, he's the only president to serve more than two terms. He served four. He served as president, I believe, for 13 years. The other accomplishment is that he granted more clemencies in his 13 years of presidency than any other president. In fact, of those 3,600 and I think it was 87, 2,819 of them were pardons. That's a pretty awesome power that the president has. That he can declare any prisoner free, pardoned. 
Well, that's not new, as our text makes clear. About 2,000 years ago, Pilate had the custom of releasing to the Jewish crowd a prisoner of their choosing. And so on this time of the festival, when Jesus was arrested and before Pilate, he was maneuvering to try and set Jesus free. So he proposed two men that he could release. Barabbas or Jesus who is called Christ. The crowd chose Barabbas and for Jesus to be crucified. When Pilate washed his hands of the, the guilt of Jesus' blood, the crowd responded, let his blood be upon us and on our children. That's a phrase that needs exploring. Let his blood be on us. To prove our guilt and to cleanse our sins. Pilate, as I said, was maneuvering. His wife had sent a message to him. Have nothing to do with this righteous man. I've suffered much today in a dream because of him. Pilate had already determined Jesus' innocence. And part of him wanted to see justice fulfilled and Jesus released. And so he proposed this situation for the crowd to consider. Who do you want me to set free? Barabbas or Jesus? Pilate couldn't have set before them two greater poles in the quality of person than what he did that night. Pilate, excuse me, Barabbas's guilt was known to all. Mark tells us that he had participated in an insurrection and had murdered someone. Jesus couldn't be proved of any guilt. So Pilate was hoping that the crowd would have a greater sense of justice than he did. That they would act with more integrity than he was and would set the innocent man free. But as you know, that's not what the crowd did. They chose to set the guilty free and to kill the innocent. And when Pilate pointed out to them what they were doing, they said, let his blood be on us. What they thereby were doing was claiming guilt for Jesus' death. They were willing to stand before God with his blood on their hands. So who is guilty of killing Jesus? 
Is it Pilate? Did the simple washing of his hands with water and the declaration of his mouth absolve him of Jesus' death? Or was it the crowd? Or was it you? We can look at this scene from purely an earthly point of view. Political powers struggling and an innocent man gets killed to keep the peace. But God has revealed that much more was going on in the life and death of Jesus. Isaiah had foretold hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus that God would place on him the guilt of us all. That he would be pierced for our transgressions and crushed for our iniquities. So when we ask the question, who killed Jesus? We have to raise our own hands too. We weren't Pilate washing our hands of our responsibility. But we've done that in many other ways. We weren't with the crowd yelling, crucify him, crucify him. But it's our guilt that nailed him to the cross. Our lies and our deceits. Our angry and misspoken words, the lusts of our heart, the greed for earthly treasure. It's our guilt that caused him to suffer and die. And we too with the crowd should cry out, let his blood be upon us. Because we are guilty of this man's death. But God has revealed something incredible about the blood of Jesus. It has the power to cleanse from sin. Now how can it do that? Well we know that Blood needed to be shed for the forgiveness of sins, for God to be reconciled to man, to atone, to pay for the sins of a person. Life had to be shed, blood had to be spilled. And so Jesus shed his blood for you and for all of mankind. Now your blood, hypothetically, if you were holy and righteous as Jesus is, could be shed for one person. But Jesus had to be a sacrifice sufficient for all people. So his blood had to be of such great value that God would look at all of the sins of the world, yours included, 
and look at what was offered to him and choose to accept that blood in payment for that great guilt. So Jesus had to be far more than a man. He had to be God. And when you think of the scales of sacrifice, the greater the guilt, the greater the punishment, the greater the payment needed. Consider what was offered. The blood of God. God's life was offered to balance your transgressions. Nothing greater could be offered. There is no greater treasure, no greater being than God himself. So God died for you because he loves you and because he wants you to have no doubt that the scales are balanced. That your sins are forgiven. They've been paid for, for in full. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes I torment myself over my past sins. I think of particular ones that I've done, and they have this haunting presence in my past. I, I can know in my head that I'm forgiven. But my heart still struggles to get over that guilt. What's a person to do when they think that maybe that one, that one isn't fully covered? That somehow Jesus has covered all the rest, but not that one. Look at the scale. God died for you. God poured out his blood upon you. And John tells us that the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Jesus' blood now flows from him, from the cross, to you and to me. Not to condemn us with the guilt of our sin but to assure us that we're forgiven. To make us confident that His sacrifice was sufficient. And if it weren't enough that God died for you, then God also raised Him from the dead so that you are to have no doubt you are forgiven. Your sin is taken away. The blood of Jesus has purified you. But there's another great tool that God has given you as you struggle with your guilt. It's that blood. That body and blood which he gives you at the altar to eat and drink 
for the forgiveness of all of your sins. If you're ever struggling with your guilt, don't battle it alone. Call your pastor. Set up an opportunity to meet with him or have him come to you and have him bring Christ's body and blood for you to eat and drink for the remission of your sins. See, God doesn't want you spending any moment of any day in your life worried that you are loved and forgiven. And so he gives you many proofs that that is true. So let his blood be upon us. Let it come to cleanse us of our sins. To him be the glory, now and forever. Amen. Please stand for the blessing. And now may the peace of God which transcends all understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus until life everlasting. Amen.
Abide with us, Lord, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. Abide with us and with your whole church. Abide with us in the end of the day, in the end of our life, and in the end of the world. Abide with us with your grace and goodness, with your holy word and sacrament, with your strength and blessing. Abide with us when the night of affliction and temptation comes upon us, the night of fear and despair when death shall come. Abide with us and with all the faithful through time and eternity.